we'll come, we'll pray, and we'll ask the Lord for his blessing and his help as we come and we study God's word and we come to pray even for the many needs for this church. So let's pray and let's seek him now. Our gracious and most eternal Father in heaven, we just still ourselves in thy presence tonight and we do so even in that attitude of prayer. We come, Lord, humbly and reverently to the throne of grace. We thank thee, Lord, that we can approach thee even tonight because of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mediatorial work. And we thank thee, Lord, even we can be encouraged tonight as we were even reminded last night, Lord, that you are a God who intercedes and who's continually interceding for his people. Even right now, Lord, we have come to even approach thee. We know that thou art in heaven at the right hand of thy Father, and thou is praying for each and every one of us. We do leave the needs of this service before thee tonight. We thank thee, Lord, that thou art a God who is sovereign. Thou art a God who is in control of all things. Thou knowest the end from the beginning. And we come to thee tonight, Lord, asking for your help. O Lord, we cannot do anything in and of ourselves. Lord, we cannot create an anxious thought. We cannot even move, Lord, without even thy will. And we pray, Lord, tonight that thy will might be done in this service, Lord. We thank thee for all who have gathered, for all who have seen the need tonight to come and to be in the place of prayer. We pray for thy blessing to fall upon this meeting from the very beginning to the very end. We thank thee, Lord, for the opportunity to even to open up our voices already and to sing thy praises. Oh, Lord, how wonderful it is to lift up our voices as a congregation to even just worship thee in that way. And we pray tonight, Lord, as we come and we open up the word of God in a little moment, that thou wilt draw alongside, that thou will even just encourage each and every one of us as we see Christ in all of his fullness, as we look again at this little prophecy of Haggai, Lord, may you bring it alive to us tonight, Lord. May we see it even in a new light, Lord. May you reveal things, Lord, to us out of thy word. And Lord, may it even challenge and encourage us in our own hearts and souls. We do pray, Lord, for this church collectively. We thank thee for the open door on the Ravenhill Road here, Lord. And we pray for the incoming year as the various works will start up again. Think of the children's works, Lord. We think of the Sunday school. And we pray for the children, Lord, that you would save souls, that you would even continue to even work in those various works. Lord, we thank thee for the blessings in 2023. And yet, Lord, we long for more. We long to see you really break in, Lord, in that respect. And even to this congregation as well, we pray, Lord, you'll fill the pews one by one and we'll be able to even witness what they are doing before our very eyes. We thank, Lord, of the minister who is the charge of this congregation. And we thank thee for him, Lord. We thank thee for his faithfulness and for his love, even, Lord, for his salvation, Lord, for his testimony, to know, Lord, that he's saved, Lord. And we do not take that for granted, Lord, to have a man who is saved and who's preaching the gospel. We pray for his wife also at this time, Lord, and just pray you'll bless him as a family, undertake and meet every single need. And may he have the joy of pointing many souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, bless us tonight. Be with us. Help us undertake and meet every single need and we'll be careful to give thee all praise honor and glory for it's in your name we ask those things amen if you turn please in your bibles to the book of Haggai we're back again in Haggai chapter 1 Haggai chapter 1 and we'll take time we'll read the entire chapter again if you're like me Tuesday was a long time ago and you might have forgotten what we read two nights ago so we'll go and refresh we'll our minds here. Haggai chapter 1. We'll read the 15 verses together. Reading from the opening verse, Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1. 
In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood, and build a house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I call for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labour of the hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year, of Darius the king. And we'll end our reading at the end of the chapter. We trust and pray that the Lord will bless the public reading of the scriptures. Once again, can we just bow momentarily? Just ask the Lord to bless the preaching of thy word before we come to our time of prayer. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we just once again come into thy presence. We thank thee, Lord, that we can open up the word of God tonight, that we can read, Lord, passages such as this, that, yes, challenge our hearts, but also, Lord, bring great encouragement to the child of God. And I trust and pray tonight that we would be encouraged as we look, Lord, at the word of God, as we see, Lord, what was happening in Haggai's day. Lord, we see the results even of those who were looking to the Lord and trusting in him. Think of the reminder even there that he was with them, that he would never leave them, he would never forsake them. And what a wonderful truth that is tonight as children of God to know this, to know that is our reality to know we have a God in heaven who loves us and who has loved us with that everlasting love. And we pray tonight, Lord, as we even consider what you would have us to say, that you would even just take me up and use me, that you will take any 
man-centered thoughts away tonight, Lord, that you would take away any distractions both to myself and to all who've gathered. And we pray, Lord, it would just be that time in which we would gather around thy word and we would hear what the Lord would have to say to us. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts would be ready to receive it, our ears open, Lord, to hear it. And Lord, we would even leave this meeting tonight after the time of prayer, rejoicing because we have met with thee and knowing it was good to be here. And so, Lord, we pray tonight that you will be uplifted and you will be exalted. And Lord, you would be glorified. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The secret to living a successful life, it lies not in a person's ability to work hard, but in the fact that he or she has formed the habit of doing things that failures don't like to do. And really what that statement is saying tonight is this, that hard work alone doesn't automatically guarantee a person's success. And that is something that a man called Albert E.N. Gray discovered as he was overseeing a team of employees while he worked in life insurance. See, many of his employees who appear to have all the necessary qualifications to be successful, he discovered that they all failed. Yet those who had obvious hindrances and limitations, it was those individuals who had success. Why did they succeed? Yes, because they worked hard. We need to work hard. But they succeeded because they were willing to do what those more qualified people were not willing to do. They didn't mind doing the difficult things. And they had their priorities in the right place to achieve success. And on Tuesday night, we began by looking at a people in Haggai's day who were a bit like these qualified employees. Happy to go along with things when things were easy. But when things got difficult, suddenly their priorities changed. Because we now had a people who were no longer willing to obey the will of God. A people who were no longer willing to put God first in their lives. And really Tuesday night's message is focused upon one thought. And that was the reality of that situation. Of what was happening in Haggai's day. And tonight I want to continue on with that thought. Looking at Haggai chapter 1. With three other things that I want you to see. With respect to the subject we looked at on Tuesday which was getting our priorities right in 2024. So on Tuesday night, we had the reality described. But tonight, we're going to begin by looking here at the rebuke delivered. Because look what Haggai says in verse 5. He says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Having highlighted to the people the reality of their wrong priorities, Haggai now brings this rebuke from the Lord. He urges them here to consider their ways. And you take those three words, consider your ways. And literally what Haggai is saying is you need to set your heart upon those ways. You need to give careful thought and careful attention to what you are doing and how you're living. Find similar language used over in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 40. Because that verse says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. You go to the New Testament, you have Paul's words to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You see, this call to consider their ways here, it's there for a call for self-examination. And really what Haggai is saying when we boil it all down is will you not examine your hearts? Will you not ask yourselves questions? What are your priorities? What kind of life are you living? What's most important in your life? 
How is it with the Lord tonight? And that is questions we all ought to be asking ourselves every single day. And I think the fact that Haggai repeats this statement in verse 7, consider your ways, it ought not to be missed. Should cause us to see the earnestness of that request, cause us to see that it requires more than just a passing thought. He's saying you really need to think about this. Think through what you are doing. You read what follows in verse 6 of Haggai chapter 1. It says, You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them into a bag with holes. In other words, what Haggai is saying is, look how much effort you're putting in here, and look how little you're getting out. You've sown much, but you have little satisfaction. You drink, but you're empty. And you have clothes, but you're cold. And look at that last little statement here in verse 6. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them into a bag with holes. And you just think through the reality of that situation yourself tonight. How frustrating would it be to work all week, go home at the end of the week, check your bank account, and discover that everything you've earned all of a sudden is gone. And there's some ladies here tonight, and I don't know what your shopping habits are like, but maybe that's already the case for some people. I'll leave that for you to discuss. But how long would it be before you started to think, you know, something's wrong. I'm working all week. I've no reward, I've no payment for my labors. And that's the point that Haggai is making, because the people were putting their time and they were putting their efforts into things that had no reward and had no value. You look what Haggai goes on to say in verse 9. Said, ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. In other words, ye expected much, but ye received very little. And anything ye brought in, I blew it away. And why did he do it? Because his house lay in waste. And every man was running after his own things. And again, I think we can apply that language to our circumstances tonight because we expect the Lord to do much. And we pray to that end. We expect the Lord to come and to bring revival to this land. And yet we perceive when we look around us, there's very little change. How often do you speak to somebody and it's like things are getting worse? They're not getting better. There's no revival coming and we lose heart. You ever asked yourself, is that because we've gotten our priorities wrong? We've been too long serving our own interests as opposed to God's interests. Because what was Haggai's message to the people here? It was to put God first. Maybe that's something that we need to be reminded of at the beginning of 2024. Maybe we've been too long putting our own priorities above that which God would have. And the Lord's saying to the people here in Haggai's day, and he's saying to us tonight, leave that kind of lifestyle behind you. Look how little benefit has been to this date do as I ask, be obedient, do as I command, and I will supply all that you need. And that's really what we see in verse 8. Because he says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. And that verse really highlights three things, three very simple thoughts. It begins by saying, go up to the mountain, and here we have the thought of location. Because God will show you the place that he wants you to be. But then he says you're to bring wood. Here we have God's provision because God will supply everything that you need to carry out his will. 
Then he goes on to say, build a house. And here we see occupation. And what that is saying to me is that God has a work for us all to be involved in. The rebuke delivered is consider your ways. But what about the response desired? That's the second thing I want you to see tonight. Very often you read through the major prophets and the minor prophets. And the situation you find is a similar one. God sends a prophet to warn the people to repent of their sins, but that warning falls on deaf ears. And the obvious example tonight is that of Jeremiah, because Jeremiah, he ministered for almost 50 years, but the people ignored him. So much so that Jeremiah had to say this in Jeremiah 7 and verse 23, but they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but they made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction But amazingly, you read through Haggai's little prophecy, and this is the exception. Because we find they responded almost immediately to Haggai's message. You look what it says in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, and here you have it, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, As the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. To obey simply means to hear. It's to be attentive. It's to give heed to something. It's to yield to that thing. And I want you to note tonight who all is obedient here. You have Zerubbabel, you have Joshua, and then it's the remnant. You see the leaders here were affected also. And I think that it's striking that the leaders come first here. Because does that not highlight to us that obedience must start with the leaders? You have those who preach the gospel, those who pastor a church. Whenever they're obedient, they set the example to the congregation in their obedience. And yet, we're not to look to a man in the pulpit, of course. We're to look to Christ. Because Christ is the ultimate example of obedience. You think of how he was obedient to his Father's will. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You note that the obedience in verse 12, it's not just mere words, it's active obedience. Not just hearers of the word, but they're doers of the word. You look at verse 14. It says, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and they did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. They were stirred up, it tells us. They came, they did work, and they were now determined to build that temple in obedience to the command of God. And that's exactly what we read happening. If you turn in your Bibles, please, tonight to the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 6. And read verses 14 and 15 with me. Ezra chapter 6 please. Verses 14 and 15. Ezra 6 verse 14. And the elders of the Jews builded... And they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido. And they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel. And according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius 
and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which was the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. So the scriptures tell us that it took four years to build that temple. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 15, you have the sixth year of Darius. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 15, you have the second year of Darius. Simple maths, 6 minus 2 is four years to build that temple. And again, I think it's striking that you note the order in verse 14 of Haggai chapter 1. Because the leaders were stirred up, and then it was the remnant. See, when the leaders' hearts are stirred up, when they're put into motion, that's what it literally means to be stirred up, then the people's hearts will be stirred up also. And yet in reality, only the Lord can do that. He alone can make his people willing to obey. It's Philippians 2 verse 13 really, isn't it? For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The rebuke delivered, consider your ways. You have then the response desired, but very quickly we have then the results displayed. And really in this here we have three thoughts, three very simple thoughts, but we have practical application, three results. I want you to see tonight there was priority, that's the first thing. Because look what it says at the end of verse 12. It says, the people did fear the Lord. And for 14 years, the people were afraid of those around them, those who'd opposed them. And because of that, the temple, we know it was unfinished. And they'd been foolish in doing that. And Haggai reminds them here that the right course of action was to fear the Lord. You think of what Solomon says, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. Because to fear God is to be wise. And it should move us as believers to obey and to worship him as we're commanded to. So we have priority. But you also have the result here of presence. You look at how verse 13 ends. He says, I am with you, saith the Lord. And you read those words and all previous harshness in the opening verses are now replaced with tenderness. As the Lord now seeks to bring comfort to his people. See, when people, when God's people are walking right with him, he's promised to be with them. What an encouragement that must have been to the people in Haggai's day. What an encouragement must have been. You think of the many times you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there is that repeated there, I am with you. What an encouragement that must have been to them. Christ gave that same promise to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And believer tonight, that needs to be our comfort in life and death. That no matter what comes your way, what difficulty, what trial you or I might face in 2024, what opposition there might be to God's work, God has promised to be right there with you. And because of that, we are guaranteed to succeed the Bible says he's building his church and we know the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are on the winning side. We often sing that. The Lord has won the victory for his people on the cross. So by matter of result, you have then priority. You have presence, but very quickly you have the thought of preeminence. You look at the words of verse 8, the second half of that verse. I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified. When we are obedient to God's will for our lives, when we're serving him as we ought to, it will bring pleasure to him and he's going to be glorified. 
And again, Christ is the greatest example of such obedience. You think of what Christ says in John 17, verse 4. I have glorified thee in the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And we are commanded as believers by Christ to do the very same thing in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. We're to let our light shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And you know what? This is something we learn right at a very young age. First catechism, what is it? What's man's chief end? It's to glorify God and is to enjoy him forever. And you know what? When God asks us to do that, he's not asking us to do something impossible. He's not even asking us to do something alone. You see, God simply wants Christians who have their priorities right, whose chief aim and desire in life is to glorify him, to serve him, to advance his kingdom. And the challenge then, as we close tonight, really is this. Have you considered your ways, and have I considered my ways? That requires us to examine our hearts honestly before the Lord tonight. To correct any attitude that needs correcting. To realign any priorities toward God. Making sure that God is at the center of everything we do. May 2024 be a different year. May it be the best year, if I can use those words, individually, as believers, collectively, as a church, I said it on Tuesday and I'll say it again. May we be able to look back at the end of 2024 and say wholeheartedly that God has blessed us as a church and he has blessed us as individuals that we are further along, we are closer to the Lord than we were this time right now. But where does that start? It starts with all of us having our priorities right. It starts with God being first in everything that we would do only then that the Lord is going to really bless his church. So much more we could say tonight, but I'm going to leave it there for tonight. I trust that there's been some encouragement to you from it. There's been challenge as well. I would also encourage you to read on to the second chapter. There's so much encouragement there really for the child of God. Awful discouragement, isn't there, around us at times. We look to the world and we're so discouraged, but we're always to look to the word of God because there's encouragement there. So much reason to be encouraged in 2024 because we serve the Lord and the Lord is doing all things according to his will. I'm sure we can pray to that end. I'm going to hand to the Reverend Brown. He's going to give the prayer requests for tonight.